John and welcome to the Tech Leader Pro podcast. It is week 27 of 2023. You're very welcome. This week, I want to talk to you about the recent Twitter rate limit fiasco. So last weekend, early on Saturday afternoon, European time, I started to get error messages on the Twitter mobile website that read, quote, Sorry, you are rate limited. Please wait a few moments, then try again, end quote. My immediate thought was my account had been restricted somehow, perhaps, for example, by being reported by another user. So I assumed there was an issue with my account, and I didn't assume it was a global issue. I then logged into my laptop and tried the main website, which was displaying similar warnings. When I opened the web console on my browser, I could see that the Twitter API was returning 429 too many requests, which is a standard HTTP uh, error response, and it was returning this to the Twitter web client. So put simply, it became clear that Twitter was throttling its API. Several hours later, Elon Musk confirmed that with the following tweet. Quote, To address extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation, we've applied the following temporary limits. Verified accounts are limited to reading 6,000 posts per day. Unverified accounts are limited to 600 posts per day. New unverified accounts to 300 per day. End quote. So as an unverified user, um, that meant that I was now going to be restricted to reading 600 posts per day. Now, when you consider the size of a tweet, um, that's actually pretty aggressive. So after that, it became clear to me that this was a global issue and it was a deliberate policy instead of a bug. If we take that at face value and ignore the rumors of cloud bills that were not being paid at the time, this is still an incredibly ham-fisted way of tackling web scraping. If you have a public website, it's going to be scraped, usually for legitimate reasons like the Google bot scraping your pages to add them to its search index, for example. And there are many other bots like that operating on the internet that are perfectly legitimate. And of course, there are many illegitimate ones as well. So if a scraper is behaving in an aggressive manner, it can be blocked via web application firewalls or or WAFs or other types of application gateways. There's mechanisms already in place to handle this. It's a common problem. And typically that block will be applied via the IP address or user agent string or a combination of both. So for example, most bots will identify in the user agent the the name of the bot. So it'll say, you know, hey, I'm the Bing bot, I'm the Google bot. And it enables uh, web administrators to apply rules to particular clients to allow or restrict or throttle the behavior of that particular bot. And that's what the the nice bots do, let's say. They don't pretend to be something else. So again, there's mechanisms in place to handle these kinds of situations. This is a old problem. It's as old as the internet itself. So following that approach of using a firewall, for example, to handle malicious traffic, there's zero reason to rate limit legitimate users. 
especially for verified users who are actually paying customers. For legitimate large-scale scraping use cases, Twitter provides a rate-limited API with various free and paid tiers. Putting rate limits in place there makes perfect sense, and all scrapers should be encouraged to go to the API rather than scraping the website. And that, and that has the additional benefit of being a good revenue generator for, for Twitter. You can, you can charge third parties to, to access the API, and then you can control who can see what. And obviously you can put rate limits in place as well to make sure that they're not going crazy and trying to pull down all the data. So all companies with public APIs do this. They put rate limits in place, and it's a common practice in the industry. At no point, however, should regular users be impacted, and the fallout of this embarrassing instance has once again left a lot of users worrying about the stability of Twitter, not just as a platform, but as a firm. At one point, hashtag RIP Twitter and hashtag Blue Sky were trending on Twitter, while as of writing, the tweet above from Elon has received 550 million views, and probably many more since then. So this is serious reputational harm, not only for Twitter, but for Elon Musk, if this service ultimately fails for technical or commercial reasons. And honestly speaking, I still can't see the end game here. You know, to put it in plain English, I don't understand what it, what he's playing at. Um, it's a really bizarre approach to take. Essentially, it's just, you know, F around and find out in production with a huge platform that's used by hundreds of millions of people. I don't understand why you would be taking these measures that are hostile to your, your community, especially the ones who are paying. They're not just a community, they're customers. So I don't understand why when there's competition coming now from Blue Sky, from Mastodon, and now we have Treads.net from Mark Zuckerberg. I don't understand why in a market that's becoming increasingly competitive, that you would be doing something to antagonize your own user base. It just seems like such a bizarre thing to do, and I, I really just can't wrap my head around it. A lot of people online, of course, were coming up with various theories about why they were doing this. Uh, the timing of it for me was a bit suspicious because it was at that threshold between the end of Q2 and the beginning of Q3, which can be a, a billing cycle. I'm not saying that was the case, but it can be, so that the timing was a little bit suspicious. Um, but to just roll out a feature like that, or a restriction like that, I should say, in production, without even informing users in advance and informing users hours after the event via a, a tweet just from Elon's personal account, not from official Twitter channels. It's kind of ridiculous. And again, I can't understand here what the end goal is. Why would you be trying to build a, a, a social network and at the same time behaving in an antisocial way. It, it's just weird. Rate limits are there, they're a, a legitimate um, engineering approach to, to solve a problem of limiting API access. But when you're applying those rate limits to your own client, you're not applying this to a third party. Remember, you're applying it to your own client. You're applying it to your web client and you're applying it to your mobile client. Why would one part of your business be applying rate limits to another part of your business? It doesn't make any sense. It's completely bizarre. And I've never seen somebody do this in production. And all I'm seeing now, I don't, I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter, but all I'm seeing now in my feed is, is people, again, continuing to migrate to, to Treads, for example, to Blue Sky, 
Um, every now and again, I share a Blue Sky invite on my, my personal Twitter account. It's gone within seconds. Someone has consumed it and I get a notification on Blue Sky that user X or user Y has just joined using your code. So there's an appetite there for people to get off Twitter. When you know that appetite is there, why would you feed it? Why, why would you antagonize those people even more? The whole end goal of social media is you're supposed to grow your user base, not shrink it. I think increasingly this is going to become a case study that people, people are going to study for years, um, the downfall of Twitter. Uh, social media platforms have failed in the past. You know, the, 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 the web index is, is full of, of um, you know, the, the archival index is, is full of failed social media projects. I've worked on some of myself. I've, I've been part of launching failed social media products, so I know exactly how they fail. This has all the hallmarks of a failure. It's the anatomy of failure playing out in front of us. It's a slow car crash. And I can't understand why Elon is not pumping the brakes. Instead, he's pumping the accelerator. It's very, very bizarre. But um, it's fun to watch. So apart from feeling the, the frustration of um, all of my other fellow Twitter users uh, this week, and thankfully since then, the rate limit seems to have come back to normal. Um, at least from as far as I can tell, I'm not using Twitter as much as I used to. Um, but apart from that, uh, other things that I'm doing this week, um, I'm still working on a, a script for the next podcast in my tech leadership series. Uh, that will be episode 23 of this series. Um, and it's going to be on turning up at meetings, uh, making good progress on that script. I was hoping to get the episode recorded this week, but sadly life in the fiend and it didn't happen, but hopefully next week. And that episode will drop in the same feed as, as this podcast that you listen to right now, so you won't miss it. In addition, uh, my search engine, uh, grepper.org, G-R-E-P-P-R.org, um, is now up to 1.85 million web pages indexed. Um, so I'm hoping to hit 2 million pretty soon. Um, given that it's just a little hobby project, um, I'm pretty happy with how the progress is going on that. And um, when I get it up to... Uh, a reasonably sized index, uh, maybe in the tens of millions. I may start doing a, a little bit of a marketing campaign around that. Um, in terms of media that I'm enjoying this week, I'm nearly finished a replay of the computer game Doom 2016. Um, never actually finished it the first time around. Pretty close to finishing it now. Um, playing it on a powerful modern PC with 4K resolution. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm having a ball with that. Um, I'm also continuing to read The Sound of Waves by Yukio Mishima. And I've also just started to read Longitude by Dava Sobel. Dava Sobel is a very reputable uh, science writer. It's the first time I've ever read uh, one of her books. Um, Longitude is about the discovery of a, a clock that would enable sailors to accurately um, determine their longitude as you were sailing around the world, which is obviously a, an extremely important navigational aid. Um, fascinating historical account of um, the development of the of the clock and all the characters around it, so definitely recommend that. And it also helps that I'm reading it via a, a lovely Folio Society hardback edition. Um, definitely check out the Folio Society, they really are one of the nicest uh, book publishers around. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm a big believer in physical books, especially rare hardbacks. Um, not a big fan of ebooks, but um, that's just a personal choice. I don't judge. 
Okay, so I will leave it there. Um, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have something nice planned. And I may drop um, two podcast episodes into the feed next week. There will be this one on a Friday as usual. Uh, hopefully won't be talking about Twitter again, but um, seems to be a lot of drama there. So who knows? Um, and then also that episode on the, um, the tech leadership uh, series, which will be turning up at meetings and presenteeism in general and the power of listening. So hopefully drop the two of those into the feed next week. Okay, talk then. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.